Oh yeah. What's up, Achievers? It's me, your host and friend, Billy Power. Welcome to the show. It's been a crazy few weeks uh, here on the good ship Urban Achiever. Uh, Some stormy seas, some men overboard. It happens. So after a couple weeks of failed interview confirmations, I decided I would just do a little episode about my new book, Bottle Breaker. Bottle Breaker is my tour journal from the 1995 seven-week U.S. tour my former band Blenderhead did with our label mates MXPX. Uh, That was 20 years ago this summer, this past summer, so that's hard to believe. Both of our sophomore records came out on that tour, Blenderhead's Muchacho Vivo and MXPX's Teenage Politics. Um, Now, it must be said that when I wrote this journal, I did it mainly so I could remember, and I definitely never thought in a million years that uh, anybody would read it. I did not intend for it ever to be read um, or to be a book, and um, I did not write it with that in mind. So... Uh, Anyway, I'm going to play some clips from previous episodes that cover incidents from that tour uh, with some former guests. Let's kick it off with this infamous story with Blenderhead drummer Matt Johnson from episode 11. The incident was the uh, infamous Blenderhead MXPX-focused bloodshed food poisoning incident of 1995 yes indeed yes indeed i wish the memory was uh snuggle time or something instead (laughs) instead it was the taco cabana food poisoning story yeah that was that was good times that was good times so i i think i woke up first in the middle of the night and kind of projectile vomited into the bathtub and our room yep. or something i was completely passed was all... out was completely unaware yeah how did you do after that like it seemed like you were okay the rest of the day did you kind of just take care of business and then you were all right or i no nah, i think i stopped puking and then it was diarrhea mm. after that <laughs> yes by the time we got to the venue everyone was stuck in a stall there was like if you had to go yeah. you were kind of out of luck which uh kind of leads into the story a little bit there was only a small handful of people that didn't get sick. And those were probably the people that went go-karting that night. <laughs> they were always looking for go-karts. They made the right choice. Uh, yeah. So they did make the right choice in that situation. As I recall, you were always a little bit miffed that everybody was trying to track down theme parks and stuff because we were always on the way to a show and we had to, we had to like check in and actually do sound check. <laughs> and everybody's like, Hey man. Yeah. Hey, there's a gar- uh, go-kart place in the next town. And you were like, dudes, we're working. Can we please get back on? We're on vacation. Get back on task. In this particular situation. <laughs> yeah, vacation. In this particular situation, uh, go-karting was the correct choice because we ate at Taco Cabana and everyone that went, um, it must have been the special sauce and the black beans. I'm not sure, but everybody got sick. Yeah. And so I remember we were kind of doing a roundup at the beginning um, you know, everybody met in a central spot in front of the hotel and we're having a chat talking about the day and Yuri is the first to go down. Like he gets sick in front of everybody and everybody just like backs away. Like, Oh man, this guy's got the plague. What's that all about? And you were like, Oh yeah, I was sick last night. And, and then we were, and then it was like, Oh boy, I think this is going to be a thing. And, uh, I was just thinking about this earlier. It's funny to think about how, the way that we stayed 
in communication with each other on the road then is that we had CBs, remember? <laughs> oh, yeah. I totally forgot about yeah. the CB radios. That's so, funny. Okay, kids, this is the days before cell phones, basically. I mean, there were cell phones, but nobody had one. And while we were on the road, we basically just talked to each other over a CB, trucker style. And I remember either Mike or uh, uh, Mike or Tom saying, Oh, dudes, it's bad. You got to pull over. Here he's getting sick in the van. <laughs> and we literally just had to, like, uh, I don't, I think we had a fairly long drive that day, at least a couple hours. And, like, we always had a long yeah, drive. Totally. Yeah, totally. Thanks, DLB, for that, um, for planning, for mapping out that tour. That was, that was great planning on your part. But, uh, yeah. Excellent riding. Yeah. So yeah. everybody was crazy sick. We get to the venue and, <laughs> Uh, I thought that I was going to be okay. I feel like I have like a, an iron gut even to this day. Like if my, if my family gets sick, you know, all the kids are out, Rose is out like puking and I can just like withstand it, you know, just like clench my teeth and <laughs> I'm not puking, man, but, uh, not so in this case. So everybody is basically stuck on the bathroom all day or passed out. Um, and the show's about to start and I'm thinking, yeah, i I think I'm going to be all right. And then probably a half hour before the show, there's people start showing up and I'm hanging out in the bathroom. I'm like, man, I think it's going down. And I'd already been in the bathroom, you know, to the toilet doing (laughs) not puking, but other things. Um, and so was everybody else. So I go in there and all the stalls are taken. It's a full house. And I'm like, like, Hey man, Hey man, you in there? Yeah, sorry, bro. It's all, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I was in stall one. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. I was like, come on, guys. And um, the bath, you know, people are starting to come in. And this kid comes up to me and uh, he's, a, he's like, y'all in Blenderhead? <laughs> yeah, y'all in Blenderhead? And, uh, and I kind of I put up my finger. It's kind of like, dude, you're going to have to hang on for a second before I can talk because I'm I'm ready to just totally hurl. And I, I get that uh, that, that disgusting, um, you know, break out on a cold sweat and my mouth starts watering and I know it's just about ready to go down and there's no stall. What am I going to do? And I just grabbed the hot and cold of the sink and just started going for it and, uh, just completely (laughs) yacked up every last ounce of fluid in my body and the kids and the kid keeps talking to me and he's all, he's all y'all that nervous for the show. <laughs> he thought you yeah, were nervous. nervous. That's like one of my, so yeah. good. It's one of my all time favorite stories. He literally thought we were like shitting our pants and throwing up in the sink because we were, had stage right. fright. Yeah, yeah. And it, my my uh, my my biggest fears had come true, and somebody was trying to catch me off guard before the show for an interview, and I, I was so nervous. But um, hopefully, you know, thankfully. Tom Wisniewski from MXPX saved the day, gave gave the kid the old Vulcan shoulder and pat on the back and said, buddy, <laughs> now's not a good time and pushed him out the door. So, so that was that. Uh, and then I would times. say a good 24 hours after that, even I, we, um, everybody was still kind of sick. Like the worst was over, but we still had to play the show and it was horrible. I mean, I, uh, 
we played maybe half a dozen shows. I actually half dozen songs. The way I remember it was we didn't even we weren't even sure like what happened or if it was Taco Cabana until we got to Cornerstone and ran into the Focus and bunch oh. of kids and they were all like, "Yo, we got so sick. Did you guys get sick?" <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. We're like, oh yeah. Yep. Like we thought maybe we had a flu bug or like I don't think we ever made that connection until we saw them and knew that it was like literally every single person that ate there got violently yep, ill. Yeah, totally. And uh, we had, so we played the show and it was horrible. I felt like I was going to yak the whole time. It was just awful, awful, awful. And then I want to say for a good 12 hours at least, everybody was still kind of, you know, getting nursed back to health. And, and, uh, oh, yeah. We had one of those crazy all night drives, which was pretty common on that tour. You know, play the show, mm-hmm. everybody's deathly ill, and we have to get back in the van and 100 degree heat and drive to freaking Podunk, wherever. And, uh, basically the <laughs> no air conditioning, yeah, no air conditioning. And basically the less sick person of all of us had to drive. And I was basically, I was like hallucinating yeah. on that because I was so dehydrated. And, uh, by the time it was morning, <laughs> we stopped at a truck stop and I'll always remember this Yuri drummer, the drummer from MXPX. He's, he's like, well, man, I'm really hungry. I think I can finally eat. And he's holding up a box of chocolate milk and some frosted chocolate donuts, like those little donuts, you know. And he's like, "You think yeah. you think this will stay down okay?" <laughs> it's kind of like sure. I, I don't know what your mom used to feed you after you were sick, man, but it wasn't donuts and chocolate milk. I'm looking straight ahead with my eyes wide open. That's the time for. While we were on that tour, we played several shows with Goaty Hook, and Goaty Hook was the first band that I signed to Tooth & Nail Records. Here's their singer and guitarist, Joel Bell, and I, back in episode 24, talking about that. We had done that show with uh, that Jack had done with MXPX, Blenderhead. Oh, I remember. My head was already, I was already skipping ahead in my brain yeah. uh, to this moment. <laughs> So that weird place in Shippensburg, PA, where they had this like mile high drum thing that supposedly we were supposed to play on. We were all just like, oh, we'll just play on the floor, dude. That's oh, cool. Remember I that? I did not remember that. There's that weird totally like, remember. way up in the sky, like yeah, 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 shelf. Yeah, yeah. Or, I don't, it was like un- unlike anything I've ever seen. I was like, are we going to hoist the drums up there or something? And I was like, no, nah, that's cool, man. We'll all just play down here on the floor. It's fine. Well, there was like a, I think a foot lip stage or something. That yeah. was, it was just off the ground. It was weird. Uh, what I remember from that show um, is, you know, by this time, both of our second records had come out, um, Muchacho Vivo by Blenderhead and MXPX Teenage Politics. In Texas, right, we got our CDs in Texas right before Cornerstone. And then um, MXPX was 
kind of clearly blowing up on that tour. Like everywhere we went, they were kind of drawing more and more kids. And I think post cornerstone, especially on the last leg of that tour, there was a lot of people really getting into them. But all I remember from that show is no one gave a shit that either one of us were there. Really? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, people were nice and they were polite and like whatever, but when you guys played, everybody just went freaking bonkers. And, and the kids knew like every word to every song. And I'm just like, and I, I still can't kind of figure out how, I guess I didn't see you guys. at We were at Cornerstone, but I, I was probably working at the booth or yeah, like I mean, there's so many bands. doing business stuff or like whatever. And we were playing and all that kind of stuff and, and uh, whatever. But um, I just remember thinking, what is going on with this band? Like these kids are way into these guys. I mean, they were crazy into you guys. They were going nuts and they were cheering and like whatever. And I think at that point you only had like a little tape or something. Yeah, like, we just had a demo. Yeah like a couple songs four songs yeah four song demo or like whatever and I, and uh i got on a payphone a payphone and uh i called brandon i remember from the road and i said i want to sign this band there you go first band i ever signed a tooth and nail see that just buddy. blows my mind <laughs> that was what that's how that's how it happened a lot oh. of things are fuzzy in my head but that is not one of them no it was it was one thing after the next that summer and that was such a great moment. I remember a few weeks later, I think we, we played, played again in Virginia guys. Beach, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the Fire Escape. In that awful, the ironically named Fire Escape yes. <laughs> that was like literally playing in the pit of hell in that thing. Yeah, it was. No, I mean, it was no no exaggeration. I think we played with you twice. We played at that other place that was like a upstairs at a church, that, like a lofted like church place that I remember, and then also at that one. I think we played two more times with you guys. That's okay. Anyway, Firescape. Yeah, I just, no, it was, the floor was, had a thin layer of of, uh, condensation on it. It was so disgusting. I had sweat dripping off my nose like a faucet in a continuous stream the entire show that we played. And I just remember after every song wiping my bass and everything down with a towel so I wouldn't get electrocuted. (laughs) I I mean, I always liked hot shows. I always liked hot shows, but... That was that was a bit excessive. That was next level. Yeah, that show. Yeah, but yeah, that was that was the end of our tour. That was the last show of the tour. Great routing, by the way, <laughs> to finish your show <laughs> on the on the East Coast at the at the ocean on the uh, East Coast, and then drive all the way back to Seattle with no shows. It's, we had to do that. Yeah, that's a preferred. That's a, that's a good way to do it. If you have a bunch of money in your cash box and you finish the end of the tour good, you're like in the black, and you're like, let's just drive all the way across the country with no shows and just burn gas the nothing, whole way. Nothing to look forward to. <laughs> Except road after more road. Yeah. That was such a great night. I, I st- I'm still very close with Jack. Mm-hmm. And every now and then we'll we'll reminisce about that because so many things came together at the right moment. Yeah. And yeah. I remember having good talks with Jack. I've, I remember like having cigarettes with him like on his back porch or something. Maybe I was just smoking. I don't know. But I remember sitting out there late at night at his place where everybody, we all crashed at his house. Yeah. Or And here's Mike Herrera from MXPX talking with me about events around the time of that tour and in the journal back in episode 27. Yeah, a, a video came up recently with a <laughs> Blenderhead live from that tour. Really? 
Yeah, it was on Facebook or something like that. And uh, it, I watched it, actually. I was like, I'm going to check this out. And I was like, oh, yeah, those guys were, you guys were really good. Like, it wasn't just, it wasn't just like the times. Like, even now, it's like, oh, yeah, that sounds, that sounds good. I can understand the song. Um, you know, it's, it's like this post-punk thing that you guys were doing. It was cool. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah. Weird. I don't think there's anybody from, from there that I hang out with still, really. I mean. <laughs> not, not, not Dave Bonson. You guys aren't hanging out. <laughs> oh my God. Dave Bonson. Old, book, our very first booking agent. Yeah. I think he's on the stage in that show. If you're talking about the one that's in the underground stage when we play with Crux and like, I feel like you're on stage at some point. Probably. That's probably it. Yeah. Yeah. 95. When Eben like hyper extended his knee and then finished the set sitting in a chair or something. And I remember yeah. he was like on crutches the rest of the time. Yep. I remember that. Oh my God. Yeah. You know, what's weird is, um, we had that day off in New York city on that tour and Eben was on crutches and I was just kind of palling around with him. We were just kind of trying to like sightsee on foot basically, which seems really dumb now, uh, considering he was on crutches. But, um, <laughs> I remember we had to use the bathroom and this is crazy to think about, but we actually used the bathroom in the, uh, world trade center lobby. Um, which is kind of nutty. That's, that is nutty. Yeah. I, I don't think I had ever gone there until after it was gone. Yeah. I saw Ground Zero, you know, years and years ago. But uh, for those of, that don't know, um, maybe people would be interested to know that we used to, you know, you were working at Tooth & Nail Records, but more so our very, MXPX's very first tour was with a band called Blenderhead. We were opening and uh, you guys took us all across the country. Very first tour. Yeah. We started out, we played that show down in, I think it was the Los Angeles area somewhere, but it was with the Crucified and Blenderhead, you know, all a bunch of other bands. But that was what, you know, we did our punk rock show video, you know, live footage video from. Um, yeah, there's a lot of memories we have together. I mean, I don't know how crazy you want to get into it, but <laughs> that first tour is I mean, there's so many stories. Well, as I as I remember it, one particular thing that's interesting of that is the whole Andy angle where it was like he he wanted to go to camp or something instead of going on tour. Um, <laughs> I don't know that it was camp, to be honest. I mean, like snowboarding or something. I don't know. Something. Some, he, he was hyped about doing something that wasn't tour. I remember that. In my perspective, in my memory, he wasn't really stoked on touring in general. Like it wasn't because he was rather do something else. I think he just didn't, he wasn't a believer mm -hmm. at that point. Right. And what I mean by believer was he wasn't a dreamer. Like he was like, this music <laughs> thing is not going to work out. Right. And uh, we're like, we should just try. We should just go on tour and see what happens. And then if it doesn't work out, go to college. Cool. Right. I mean, it's one tour. Yeah. It's start with one tour and go to the next, you know, we're trying to like give him the pep talk and, you know, cause the summer before that we were supposed to tour and, I got off work from my job. In fact, I lost that job because of that. Uh, and a few other few other reasons, maybe, but that was definitely the last straw. He might have done you a favor, actually. He I, he did. He he really did. I think we weren't ready anyway. Yeah. And that that last year of high school, that Tom Tom Yuri and I sort of like Tom joined the band actually in nineteen ninety. I want to say it was four sounds right um or 95 it could have been 95 like right at the end of our of our school uh school year but anyway back to andy he just he didn't want to ask his parents like his first excuse was ah, i don't really my parents are gonna say no they're not gonna let me go and so 
that was that was the summer that you know I had gotten off work. This was ninety four, not ninety five. Yep. And we graduated in ninety five. So um, I was at your graduation. Remember? <laughs> that is so crazy. <laughs> that is so weird. Like, yeah. Nothing makes me feel older, Mike, than uh, you and uh, all the guys having kids and babies and and uh, all this stuff, and me just thinking, eh, I went to their high school graduation. That was a long time after I graduated high school. <laughs> Life is insane. And and this summer, at the end of the summer, is our 20-year high school reunion. Sure. 20 years. Yeah. Well, the band started in like 92, right? So like 23 years of MXPX this year, something like that. Yeah. Yep. 92. July yeah. 6th was our first official show. And uh, that's what we, we call our anniversary. So this July 6th will be 23 years. Crazy. I even remember the the week that you got your first tattoo because we played together in Canada, in Vancouver, Canada, and you said I was supposed to wait till I was 18, but I figured I got it. What are they going to do? I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. I didn't want to tell my parents because yeah. my dad was going to get mad. Yeah, well, wow. that, sh- that ship sailed a long time ago, Mike. Long, it long, did. long time ago. I'm surprised we can remember anything from there. I feel pretty excited that we remembered that you graduated and that we went on tour. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> two, yeah. Two, two decades yeah. later. It's tough. I think one memory sort of leads to the next. Yeah. It was uh, it was quite a tour, and we had a great time. We learned a lot. We did. We didn't learn enough, but we learned a lot. But uh, <laughs> we definitely became a, a much better band after that, just after playing all that time and just singing over and over and over. And um, I'm sure you can tell from like listening to our first couple records to our third, like that was after we toured. And yeah. so it was like instant just automatically better but also we made that record twice <laughs> yes i i seem to recall something about that <laughs> second time is a charm now and then yeah 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 i remember do you remember the last show we put on that tour that was uh i'm thinking about this because i actually talked to uh interviewed joel from goatee hook the other day and uh they played with us several times on that tour uh one of which though was an at least the hottest show I ever played. It probably wasn't, you've probably played hotter shows. Um, when we played upstairs at the fire escape in Virginia beach and they made, made us keep all the windows closed. Fire escape. Yeah. The ironically named fire escape. Oh. Uh, I just remember sweating, uh, nonstop that to where I had to wipe my base off. Like after every song. Yeah. That, that place was, um, you know, out, out of most of the shows, that was one of the most punk rock places that we played on the tour. Yeah. And you know, it felt like a real show. Like I can, remember glimpses of that day being there which is weird because there, there's so many shows i don't remember yeah but there are iconic shows and, it, and it, i don't think it was even the show itself that i remember it was like walking across the town going to this restaurant this like denny's style but just generic restaurant like just random things like this you know with a couple friends that we had met at the show yeah so it's like we're oh we're meet, we're meeting people and you know, those girls ended up coming to a bunch of shows over the years and, and always in, you know, that area. But the thing I remember, and you were probably getting to this was after that show, didn't we get a hotel on the beach? We did. Yeah. Overlooking the beach. Well, cel- celebratory uh, suite at the, uh, whatever that was. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was an amazing time to be alive and, and it was like, okay, we've, we did this. We finished <laughs> and we weren't finished in fact, because we had to go all get the back way to across Newport the country. Beach. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. 
<laughs> that's a good, good, good routing. We weren't even going home. Like, yeah. <laughs> I know, so bad. That's a good lesson in uh, in tour routing. That tour, as I recall, like, yeah. don't even book one show in the middle. Like, no, you're no. just gonna drive from from uh, what was it? Where were we at? New Virginia uh, Beach, Virginia. Virginia Beach. That's right. Yep. Virginia Beach, Virginia to Newport Beach, California. Right. Uh, you guys went home. I think Blenderhead. We did. But Matt, Matt uh, Johnson, the drummer, rode with us mm-hmm. in the van. Sure. He got to witness uh, our first big, big blowout as a band. And that's what. <laughs> really? That's why I wrote. You, yeah, that's why I wrote the song. Sorry, so sorry. It was that drive. Really? Somewhere in Arizona. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, uh, what was that all about? What, uh, we don't even remember. <laughs> I, it, you know, it's just <laughs> no like you've lived, you've lived together for yeah. however long. Seven weeks. Yeah. And. It's all new, you know, you're not used to having roommates aside from your parents, mm-hmm. siblings, but, um, that's crazy. You know, whatever it was, we all decided, Hey, if everybody just shuts up, no one talk, yeah. we're going to be fine eventually. And that's what we did. Yeah. And it was fine. And they took us all ages. We have flutes, we have guitars, we have horns, we have bass fiddles, we have organs, we have pianos, and we have been known to have drums. Just a uh, fun little side note for you. Uh, if you're familiar with the Blenderhead record, Prime Candidate for Burnout, from which the Bottle Breaker song is taken, which these sound clips are from, uh, that last clip there um, and some of the other clips are all from an episode of the Jerry Springer show uh, where the band Crash Dog uh, was a guest. Um, kind of a rare thing there and um so those clips about uh i can't understand what he's saying he always tries to swallow the microphone um and some of that stuff uh those are all from jerry springer from back in the 90s there so a little fun bit of trivia okay so just to wrap this up i thought i would go ahead and read uh from the journal the first uh couple days here uh give you an idea of uh what it's like thursday june 15th 1995 day one seattle washington The last few days before every road trip are a drag, and this one was particularly nerve-wracking. Ed has been working tirelessly to get our brown Dodge van in the best running condition possible. Even the last few hours, as we prepared to leave, he was installing speakers, stereo, and a CB radio. I went yesterday to get our tabs finally after getting a waiver for our emissions test. Of course, we had to spend an extra $100 to get the waiver, replacing parts we had just replaced. Bureaucracy is a beautiful thing. Yesterday, we also finally got our insurance from Vern Fonk. I said about six to eight weeks ago that if we got everything we needed to go on this tour, it would be a miracle. We got everything we needed, and it was a miracle. Even in the last few minutes before we leave the house of Funk, Eben is having a ground installed in his amp so he won't get shocked on this tour. MXPX and Matt left yesterday so they could get some more tattoos from our friend Sid in Los Angeles. Finally, we leave and stop by my house to pick up my stuff and the bins of band merchandise. We make one last pit stop at Ed's uh, family's house where we are loaded up with bags of cookies, Rice Krispie bars, trail mix, and candy bars, along with lots of parental encouragement and advice. It's about 4 to 30 p.m. now, and we have less than 24 hours to get to Los Angeles and play our first show. Right now, I am mostly struck by the irony of panicking for weeks of stress to get this all together and then just sit in a van for 20 hours. What a glamorous life this is. 
I drive for a few hours and realize that I'm running about uh, four hours of sleep. Brian and Eben are taking over and I'm going to bed. Even as I'm drifting off to sleep, Brian is witnessing the truck drivers on the CB radio in our van. Friday, June 11th, 1995, day two, 2 a.m., San Juan Capistrano, California. I wake up suddenly to find that I'm having an allergy attack. My eyes are scratchy and puffed up, and my nose will not stop running. To make matters worse, Brian has been having a little too much fun with the CB radio and has let us run out of gas. We are a couple miles outside of Wairica, California, in the middle of nowhere. We managed to run up one more hill on vapor, an occurrence which Brian claims is, quote, angels pushing our van up the hill and start screaming and yelling, hallelujah, and praise Jesus, etc. We finally run out of vapor and pull off the shoulder. As far as I can see, everything is black. No houses, no gas stations, no civilization. The only sound is the buzz of tires and the wind as trucks whiz by us on the highway. Brian and Eben decide to walk to town. About halfway up the hill, they are picked up by a trucker. Sometime later, I'm not sure how long, it is too dark to find my watch. Eben and Brian return with gas. Also in tow are Donnie the drug dealer and a guy named George who works at Kentucky Fried Chicken. We give them a tape and a couple of 7-inch records and they go on their way. We get gas and head back onto the highway. I go back to sleep for hours. We are now about 175 miles outside of Los Angeles. My allergies are a mess. I just keep drinking orange juice and taking antihistamines. At the last gas station, I blew my nose and blood came out. I never knew touring could be so much fun. In three hours, we will sound check, eat, and play. Michelle, Jason, and Brandon are all flying down to see both LA shows. I hope I can sing and breathe through my nose by the time we get there. Later that day... I managed to sleep for a few hours, and now it's my turn to drive again. I take the last leg through L.A. It's about 2.30 p.m. We are supposed to sound check at 3.30 p.m. in San Juan Capistrano. Just about the time we get to the see the skyscrapers of downtown Los Angeles, we hit it. Gridlock. We spent the next three hours and a tank of gas in bumper-to-bumper traffic. We were in traffic so long that we had to pull over so Ian, Dan, and Eben could pee on the side of the freeway. I'm really starting to have fun. When we filled up, Ed took over driving. We get to the venue, which was this church that was more like a college or something. There were these giant silhouettes that looked like Bob's Big Boy on both sides of this gigantic stage. Brandon, DLB, Tim Mann from Focused, and crew were there waiting for us. We ate burritos from Wahoo's while everything got unloaded. They had all these people doing the merchandise, and they were counting all our stuff all over the ground and everywhere. The lady who was in charge, well, she wasn't very nice. The main thing wrong about her was that they got all the numbers off and our sales sheet was all jacked up. Oh, never mind. I was in the lobby and this Coke bottle glasses guy with his chest hair showing comes up to me and asks if we would ever play a free show at his church. I told him, not in California. And besides, we're already booked for the summer. And he goes on and on about it. He's really wearing me out. I remain polite and courteous. He finally keys on on the fact that I'm not interested in his youth rally or whatever it is. And he commences on a new line of questioning. Do your lyrics have a message? He asks me. Do your songs point to God? I tried in vain to explain to him that we are not an evangelical band. 
He then said, so you're just secular music then. He was clearly missing the point altogether. I wished God's blessings on him and told him I was sorry he felt that way. He responded with, you're in trouble. You're in real trouble. A bit later, I waltzed back into the main room where Don't Know was rocking the house. And to my bemusement, Coke Bottle Man was heckling them. What about Jesus, he yelled. What about your lyrics? Don't Know finished and we set up. Before we even started playing, he was yelling at me. What about Jesus? I guess shortly after he was ejected from the show uh, by security, I felt sorry for that guy. Juan, the promoter, said that this guy goes to all the shows and thinks that his spiritual gift is to criticize and rebuke bands that are out of line. Weird. Anyway, we played really well considering the events of the previous 24 hours and the fact that Eben's guitar amp was feeding back continuously for the entire duration of our set for no apparent reason. Partway through Jeremy of the Blamed and Stavesacre ripped off one of my shoes, I took off the other one and finished the set in my socks. The kids really seemed to know the words tonight, which is always cool. After the show, we didn't know where we were going to spend the night. Chris from Focused, whose parents were out of town for the weekend, let us crash at his place. I've found a spot on the floor and will be happy to get some sleep. Okay, Achievers, that was a little intro to the book for you. You can go now to bottlebreakerbook.com and download a PDF of the book for free. I'm finishing up the Amazon Kindle version, and there will also be a physical copy coming soon that will be available for sale in the uh, Urban Achiever shop, uh, so keep an eye out for that. The music clips on today's show are all from the song Bottle Breaker by Blenderhead on Tooth & Nail Records. And as always, the Urban Achiever theme song was written and performed by Ethan Luck and Dan Spencer. You can follow Urban Achiever on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at UrbanAchieverPC. And you can email me anytime at Billy at UrbanAchieverShow.com. This program is 100% listener supported. If you enjoy the podcast and want to give something back, please go to Patreon.com slash UrbanAchiever and give a buck a month or whatever you want. You can also purchase show merch at UrbanAchiever.GoBigWin.com. If you like, you can always share the show with friends, subscribe, give a rating or review on iTunes. It's all very much appreciated. All right, Achievers, that's it for me this week. I hope to return next week with a guest. Uh, Let's hope for the best. And until next time, keep up the good work. I'm proud of you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs>